As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is Coach Leonard Stevens, and you're listening to Faint Gold. A special guest here for you today. He is a guy that has trained me throughout my time in high school and has developed me into a, a great athlete. Um, just you know, going to work out with him day in and day out has been an amazing opportunity. And the energy he brings, the type of man he is, really has inspired me in a lot of ways. And uh, you know, Coach Leonard Stevens was a three-sport athlete in high school, played college ball, HBCU, Howard University. You're in all-conference awards, academic awards, which I didn't even know. He was fortunate enough to play, you know, for a lot of NFL teams, played for the Chargers, Redskins, Detroit Lions, Seahawks, Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Now he is the owner of Perfect Performance in Northern Virginia, where he trains athletes across the DMV and where he also trained me for some time. And uh, welcome to the podcast, Coach. Welcome to the podcast. Man, awesome to be here. Thank you so very much. Yes, uh, I didn't... Uh... Didn't uh, think about all the the long time that we've uh, we've been knowing each other. So I, you know it's funny, yeah. but I, I still keep you on the forefront. Of, you know, you see our uh, our seven oh seven. Yeah, uh, I always see the pictures. Yeah. yeah, I always see the pictures of me in the linebacker yeah. position. That ugly yeah. ass picture. <laughs> every time, in. every time it's posted, Ed send it to me and be like, "Yo, you ugly as." <laughs> <laughs> Man, we got so many pictures of you guys, man. Between you and um, uh, DJ, you know, just that whole crew when we went down. I'll I'll never forget. I tell the story every year we went down to Florida and uh, and came in second to uh, to to Pro Impact, man. But that was a great great time, great time. You know what I remember about that trip too? I remember, you know, obviously I remember the football side of things, but I remember like getting off the bus. And arriving at that motel, and we had like you know three but we had like two buses. Two we buses, was just yeah. we was packed, you know what I'm saying. A lot yeah. of athletes, you know, yeah. we're all 
googly eyes, like we're in Florida, we about to, you hey, know what I'm saying, hey, we lit, hey, we hey. about to, you know what I'm saying, we hey. lit. Now we came off that bus, you know what I'm saying, you was like, it's business. Right. It's business, you know what I'm saying, you were just throwing out directions and you were just like, you know, this is how we're going to act while we're down here. Right. And I was just like, ooh, this guy just took control real fast. And I was right. like, yo, you know what I'm saying? And it's crazy because when you speak, like every guy, you know, head up, straight up, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They're just looking at you because you command respect. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of these, you know, there's a lot of trainers out there who don't command that type of respect that that you command, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's the energy you have that I always looked up to. So I remember that at Florida, just coming off the bus yeah. and just being able to just, you know, command respect. I appreciate but, um, I wanted to get you on a podcast. You know, one, you've been a student athlete. Mm-hmm. And you've also been to the NFL where a lot of us athletes are trying to go. Mm-hmm. Two, you've experienced what it's like to transition from football to, to the business side of things mm-hmm. you know, and to other th- things besides football. And you're a leader in your business as well as, you know, outside of your business. You know, you're a leader amongst men and you're a leader in the community. And then three, just the way you carry yourself with confidence and poise has always been something I looked up to, which I said before. And I'm mm-hmm. curious to know where that comes from. Definitely. Uh, well, thank you uh, for, for all of that. And I uh, really appreciate it. It is my goal to, you know, first give back uh, what has been given to me and, and the example that is, was set for me in the game of football and most importantly at home. Uh, my father, you know, very instrumental in my life, very close to him. You know, believe it or not, um, my dad is 6'6 and 275, so large dude, played defensive end at Howard and, um, and was in the military. So, you know, as, as much fun as we had at home, we also had a lot of discipline. And, uh, and he pushed me on an everyday basis to be the best that I could be and, and to bring my best. And so that's where that comes from. And so, you know, when you have been trained to do something on an everyday basis or, or pushed to do something on an everyday basis, you can do one of two things. You can accept it and adopt it as your own, or you can reject it. And you see guys that uh, either say, you know what, this is who I am. This is what I've been coached to do. This is what I've been, you know, who I've been coached to be. I'm going to be that. I'm going to walk in that. I'm going to own it. Or you see guys that go the other way and then they don't graduate from high school. They're in jail. They're on the corner. They're selling drugs, you know, whatever. Cause that's what happened, you know, in, in my life, my, yeah. and not only of what he wanted me to be and what he was pushing me to do. He also saw some of my friends, some of my teammates that weren't doing those things and didn't have that guidance. And so, um, <clears throat> you know, it has served me extremely well, extremely well that I can, um, you know, and I tell him this all the time. I tell my mother this all the time. Uh, you know, what you all did for me has allowed me to be who I am today. Uh, and so many parents don't do that, you know, for their kids. They don't have tough love. My parents gave me tough love. So uh, that makes sense that your, your dad was yeah. in the military. Now I can definitely yeah. like yeah. put the pieces together. Yeah. But that's um, you're extremely fortunate to have yeah. someone pushing you like that every day yeah. and to instill in you those things that uh, mm-hmm. a lot of kids don't have. Yeah. Let's talk about your time at Howard. You know, what was that experience like, you know, for you trying to put yourself in a position to be on the NFL roster? 
It's funny, man, you know, going back to my upbringing and my home life, my parents told me two things, you know, one, be the best that you can be, and, and two, education um, and, and faith are, uh, are, so three things, are the most important. That's the order, you know. Faith, be the best you can be, and, and education. And so it was never, it was always a dream, you know, any kid that plays football says, man, I want to play in the NFL, but it wasn't a goal. So I didn't go to Howard thinking, okay, this is going to put me in the best position to be drafted or, or signed as a free agent. And I didn't even know, you know, what the difference was as a 17, 18 year old kid going to Howard. But what Howard did for me was give me an opportunity to be a student athlete in a place that I wanted to be a student athlete. I loved the campus. Both my parents went to Howard, so I had experienced it, uh, you know, for many, many years at homecomings and other events uh, over, uh, you know, growing up. And, uh, and so when I went, it was the best place for me to be in an urban campus and a historically black college and to play offense. You know, I was recruited as a linebacker at some other uh, schools, you know, some uh, Rutgers and, and Temple, uh, University of New Hampshire, some schools that were ranked higher, you know, in terms of uh, Division One and, and mm-hmm. FCS. But I was like, I'm a tight end. I want to play offense. I want to be the black school, great business school. They had just won. Uh, Black College National Championship in 1993. My my freshman year was 96. So the time there was great. You know, it was, um, the football was awesome. We had a great coaching staff. Uh, And so I just thoroughly enjoyed everything about my college experience. And that was my focus when I was there. What was your, what was your mindset going into college? So you said you weren't, you know, necessarily thinking about the NFL. So what were you really thinking about? Were you thinking about, you know, the girls? Were you thinking about all of that? Degree, all, all of that? that? All of that. Okay. Getting a degree, the girls, playing. No, I definitely wanted to play. Now, I love football, right? Yeah. So it wasn't that I wasn't focused on football because I was. You know, I, I trained. I practiced. I was a student of the game. You know, I played my freshman year. I, there were <clears throat> um, three tight ends on campus uh, already. And then they brought in two on scholarship. So we, it would have been a room of five. Hmm. When we got there, they moved two of the, the backups. We had a senior starter who was a great player, uh, Timba Massimini. They moved, he stayed in, as a starter. And then they moved yeah. the other two to defense because we needed some help on defense and had the two freshmen, myself and my other classmate as so we had a room of three tight end. And, um, and they kept us, uh, you know, on offense. And, and he and I, Gary is his name, we both played. So we earned letters our freshman year. I had, I was a, you know, short, short yardage goal line, passing H-back type guy. You know, had some statistics, had six catches, four touchdowns my, my freshman year. Did they pass the tight ends back in the day like that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because our coach, my head coach, Steve Wilson, played 10 years in the league. So we were running a West Coast offense Back when okay. a lot, yeah, a lot of other schools in general, and then particularly black colleges, were running, you know, wishbone, wing tee, option, you know, whatever they were running, and uh, or some type of air raid, you know, they had like four wides. So like Florida A and M was just running four wides, you know, really didn't mm-hmm. even have a tight end. So we used the tight end a lot, a lot. So you know, progressing from my freshman year to my senior year. You know, I had, uh, you know, some good seasons, I had some bad seasons. But when I got there to answer your question, it was school, girls, football. And in some days it was girls, football, school. Some days it was football, school, girls. You know, it just, it just yeah. depended. But those are the three focuses. 
So how did you um, – how many guys on your team got a chance at the NFL? Uh, so in my class, a lot of guys actually got a chance. So um, when I got there, we had a guy – our senior class, probably six of those guys signed as free agents. Nobody got oh, wow. drafted in that class. Um, some of them stayed longer than others. Um, I don't – only one, Billy Jenkins, made – a career career. Um, he stayed probably six years, won a Super Bowl with the Rams. Oh, wow. Got paid, you know, big money. Um, he was a starter and uh, he left. He was a, he ended up being a starter in St. Louis, which is where he started. And then he ended up going to Denver and getting paid. And I think he spent, like I said, six, maybe seven years. So he was, you know, kind of our, our big, um, our best player that year, um, Pep Hamilton, who was my teammate, uh, who's now who was the head coach here at DC for the XFL. Now he's a quarterback coach in um, in San Diego. Oh, yeah, yeah. But he's been coaching, you know, uh, Stanford with Andrew Luck, Michigan, you know, San uh, San Francisco Jets, blah blah blah. Okay. He was a senior when I was a freshman as well, so he went right into coaching, uh, and then have, has had a great career. And then the next year, we had a couple guys. Uh, the five, so every year we had about four to five guys that were uh, signed and or made a roster. So my class, we had five guys. And that's a solid number for solid a, number. you know yeah. for FCS school. That's a solid number yeah. for a black school. That's a real solid number. It's Antoine Bethe, you know the name Antoine Bethe? I do. That sounds mad familiar. Yeah, so he he's a safety. He played with the Colts, San Francisco, Arizona, with the Giants last year, number forty-one. Okay. Uh, he played at Howard. Now he was four years behind me, or two. Yeah, he he came two years behind me and graduated in '06. Okay. Um, but uh, but yeah, so we every year Ron Bartell, second round pick, you know, um, in 2002, I believe. So we've so back had to, yeah. back to your class. What do you think was like the you know what separated you six guys from the rest of the team that you know just was worked. able to just work? Just worked. Just worked. We just work worked. Ethic. Hard work, trained, you know, we were pushing each other back. Back in my day, we didn't have, there was no Leonard Stevens. There was no perfect performance. There was no uh, Myron Flowers at, and, and, um, and the St. James. There was none of these training institutions, establishments, companies, individuals. So we pushed each other. We were researching, you know, online how to get faster, going to the track coach. We had, you know, we were lifting with the team. We were lifting in the evening on our own and just, you know, trying to grind, trying to get there. That's crazy. It was a different time back then. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, what were some what were some challenges you faced as a as a college athlete? For sometimes as simple as the calf would run out of food. We would practice in the evening. By the time we got to the calf, because we were running late out of practice, no yeah. food. Uh, ah. We didn't have a strength coach. Um, we had our position coaches who were running our strength program. We had uh, our locker room was it was atrocious, you know. So we didn't have the amenities. We had AstroTurf. I take that back. No, we did have AstroTurf, and then we got field turf like after I left. Um, so. Some of the things that you may have at Rhode Island or some of the, you know, thing, uh, amenities that other guys may have, we didn't have. And so we made do with what we could, uh, which made it even that much more special for us to, to be able to, uh, you know, to get uh, the opportunity to go to the NFL. But, um, and then academically, 
didn't have any challenges. You know, we had great support academically, but just athletically, man, it was, uh, you know, you got one pair of cleats, two pair of cleats, maybe if, you know, if you were a starter and if you were a good player, you know, one pair, I remember my freshman year, we had one pair of gloves for the entire season. Jeez, sometimes we're stanking by the end of the season. Right, stanking, ripped, <laughs> all that. Yeah, yeah. So it was, sure. uh, we had champion cleats. Some guys, my freshman year, had, they had champion, champion cleats. Back champion then. cleats. Oh, or man. Our dirt champion shoes? Turf shoes, bro. Oh, turf shoes. Turf shoes. So, oh, so if, you were, if you were a low level player, non scholarship, you yeah. got champion. If you were scholarship and could play, you got Nike. That's crazy. <laughs> crazy, bro. <laughs> crazy. That's crazy. crazy. So when did you when did you realize that all right, you know, I have a chance at this NFL thing? And what was that like to see that dream start to come to fruition? My senior year. My coach told senior. me I had a pretty decent senior year. Um and I was moving, you know, when I say moving, I was moving all over the field. I was lining up in the slot, lining up out wide, in the backfield, uh tight end. And so had put together uh, some some decent games, and I wasn't always. I've never been in any team I've ever been on the best um, athlete. I just was always good or good enough, uh, and worked hard and produced. You know when my when my number was called, and so um, a couple teams came in and told my coach, "Hey man, you know who's this kid? You know because I wasn't like out there, out there." Uh, I, I remember Coach Thurman. Remember Coach Elijah Thurman? The receivers coach? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Man, he had an All-American year. He was our he was our lead. He was option 1A and 1B for us. Like, he was a dog his senior year. I know. He went to Howard. Yeah, he, he played with me and Howard. Oh, wow. And, um, and then we had another receiver who was just extremely good, and then I was the third option. Um, <clears throat> and so – um, and that was fine, you know, and, and so as, as things progressed, you know, NFL scouts would come in and watch him and watch. We had another one of my teammates, Coach Evans, Omar Evans, and, um, you know, he was a defensive back and, uh, and he, they were looking at him. So the two of them were kind of our, our headliner guys. And uh, lo and behold, you know, they saw me as well. And then it was like, hey, you should be really thinking about, you know, working after this season to prepare yourself for, you know, pro day. Like, all right, bet. That's how it happened. And then what, what was it like when you got there, when you finally got signed? Was it like oh, everything man. you thought it would be like? Or was it, was it a whole different world where you? Bro, <laughs> it was, it was, it, it was, uh, it was crazy, right? So first thing, I was in Florida uh, on draft weekend at the uh, Kappa Luau. Uh, so I pledged Kappa at Howard. And so there was a big party down at Florida a and And uh, I was down there for the weekend. So flew down on Friday. No, at that time, the draft was only Saturday and Sunday. So Sunday on my way back, I, my, I'm not even by my phone, <clears throat> right? I'm, I'm thinking, if they call me, great. If they don't, you know, it is what it is. Sure enough, I get a voicemail from the, from the Chargers. Hey, Leonard, this is uh, uh, Bobby Beathard. We don't have uh, any more. This is, they, were, they were calling me in the seventh round. We don't have any more seventh round picks, but we want to bring you in as prior to free agent. So I'm like, oh, my God, thank you, Lord. You know, just like couldn't believe it. Call back. I'm like, this is a joke. Call back. Sure enough, it was them. 
And uh, they sent they FedExed my contracts, signed my contracts. So that whole process was surreal. Uh, and then, unfortunately, got to camp, mini camp. Well, as soon as I signed my contract, of course, you know, you're getting with your other guys, your teammates, and you're working out. You're talking who called and who signed and all that. And so, again, it was five of us. So we were all working out uh, on our astral turf. And I'm running routes, sure enough. Tear cartilage in my right knee, my meniscus, ah, before I even damn. get to um, San Diego. So by the time I got to San Diego a week to 10 days later, it was, wow, you know, we got this looseness in your knee. We think you tore meniscus. Sure enough, I did. So I didn't even get to participate in that first mini camp, which was a full team mini camp. Now, walking in the San Diego Chargers facility, incredible. You know, <clears throat> seeing Junior Seau, the late great Junior Seau, who was oh, the you play, you like, play with him, bro. Well, what team? But he was he was the leader of the team at that time. Ryan Leaf was on that uh, on that team. So walking in the building and 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 you know talking to and meeting, you know Jim Harbaugh was was on that team, uh, head coach of Michigan. Uh, Ryan Leaf, Rodney Harrison, uh, like I said, Junior Seau, and there were a host of other guys that. You may or may not remember, um, but uh, but it was incredible. It was incredible to see those guys and uh, and meet those people, guys that you had watched for years, you know, yeah. playing the game and at a very high level. And just the the strength coach and the and the weight room and the amenities and all of what it was 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 pretty was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and so that's what I remember, um, you know, being, being there and just, you know, being there the whole off season, meeting the guys that were in my draft class, um, you know, just was, was awesome. How, how long did you play in the league for? So from, I was affiliated with the NFL. I didn't make a team cause they cut me <clears throat> before training camp. So I didn't even go to training camp 2000, didn't go to training camp 2001. So my first full mini camp training camp, Making a team, all of that was 2002. So I was affiliated with the NFL from 2000 to 2008, but I played on teams from 2002 to 2008. Okay. So I, I say I'm a six-year veteran, but yeah. I had, you know, because I spent two years out of football working for uh, in New York for a bank uh, before coming back, which mm-hmm. is a whole nother story uh, yeah. of, of trial and tribulation and perseverance. So – so how did how did football you know come to an end for you? How did you when did you come to realize that it was time to transition to something else in your life? So in 2007 training camp, I had a high ankle sprain that uh, shut me down. You know, for after the first game, so they cut me. The Seahawks cut me after that uh, training camp. I mean, after that preseason, and sat out the entire season just trying to, you know, heal and, and get the ankle and shoulder right or whatever. Had a workout with the uh, Titans early. Still wasn't right, you know, with the x-rays and whatnot. Saw Titans ended up bringing me out or, or signing me late in the season, the last regular season game and the first playoff game. And then, so, I'm, so now I'm like, okay, I'm 30 <clears throat> and I'm a, I'm a Tennessee Titan. I'm 29, about to be 30 in July of 2008. And I'm a Tennessee Titan. Uh, my last, you know, let's let's make it, let's make it go. And so um, went through the whole off season. You know, everything was looking good. They kept a lot of tight ends. Um, you know, so on and so forth. And 
got to about two days before training camp, and I got a call. Hey, we're not going to bring you to camp. We're going to release you. And uh, I was getting married two days later. So that was July 17th of 2008. I got married July 19th of 2008. Wow. So I get married. And... Were you feeling some type of way at the, you know, when uh, you got married? Was you distracted by all heck, that stuff? Heck yeah, bro. I was, well, prior to, you know, the, it, it, it's uh, my wife. I didn't tell my wife before we got married because I didn't want to yeah. upset her. You know, who, yeah. who wants to walk down the aisle knowing that, you know, you don't have, have a job. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, so I held it until we got to our, our honeymoon, our little mini honeymoon uh, in Key West. And, um, Sure enough, uh, you know, I told her, I was like, hey, look, this is what's happened. She was like, oh, that's why you were so, you know, funky, attitude, whatever. Mm. And and so I got a call from the Ravens in August. Um, they brought me in, had a great workout. Um, didn't like my injury history. Didn't sign me. And at that point, I was like, I'm married. I'm a husband. You got to provide for a family. You know, it's time to shut it down. I'm 30 years old. Been a great run. and. Uh, you know, time to move on. So, because yeah, I, I remember, I, I didn't, I didn't play in the preseason in 07. I played one game in the preseason 07. No games in 07. Yeah. No, I was on the roster, but no games, and then no preseason in 08. Can't come back from that. It's too late. Yeah. You know. So I asked that question because you know, for a lot of guys who who graduated college and are trying to play in the NFL and haven't had the opportunity yet, or maybe were given the opportunity and it was cut short, and they're still trying to you know look for the opportunity to go to the league. Mm-hmm. when do you think it's time to say, all right, you know, I need to start thinking about other things in my life. I need to start thinking about, you know, transitioning to maybe another profession. Are you asking when is it time to hang up the cleats for football period or when's it time yeah. to stop pursuing the NFL? Hang up. I mean, both essentially. Okay. Yeah. Cause, the, Cause the NFL is the, is the premier is the top, yeah. right? Yeah. The, the AFL you know, there, there will be the CFL again. And so I can tell you story after story of guy who has, you know, you know the stories, the Kurt Warners of the world. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's guys that you don't know who I know that have had to take an alternate path to get to the NFL. And it's truly about when you as an individual decide that it's time, you know, and you're just tired of being uh, in the position you're in, your body's tired, you're mentally tired. And I think the mental comes first. When you get mentally tired of pursuing this goal, that's when it's time. Yeah, because your work ethic slows down and you just don't have that drive no more. This that's drives everything. The mind drives everything. Mm-hmm. So what did, you, what did you transition to? So again, graduated with a degree in marketing and had spent all of my internship and work experience in uh, finance. Uh, And so that 07 season that I actually sat out until the end, I was working for a real estate development firm in Silver Spring, Maryland. A friend of mine uh, started a company and uh, went to work for him and and run numbers and and, uh, manage projects. And then that led me to um, and I actually, we started Perfect Performance in 2006. So two years before, you know, my other two partners retired who run our Perfect Performance in Maryland, uh, who we all played at Howard together, Coach Thurman and, and, uh, and Coach Allen. And so um, when, uh, so we retired into a recession in 2008, yeah. we ideally wanted to go 
full time with the training company just wasn't the right time economically. And so worked for my guy doing the uh, real estate development. And then as the recession of that time, you know, continued to progress, went to the District of Columbia government as a financial manager, just to stabilize. I had a, you know, of course I had a wife. And by that time I, I, we were, you know, expecting our first child and, um, um, wanted to stabilize my, my income. And so I did that all with the thought process of, you know, perfect performance in the back of my mind as a full time. And then in 2013, in January of 2013, went full time with perfect performance and, uh, you know, haven't looked back. So that was kind of my progression. I went back to my roots in finance and or real estate development finance and then to back to PP. What was what was the dream there with perfect performance? What did you want to make happen with that? Just help get athletes to the next level? Bro, yes. And did you have that in mind? And then you like kind of worked backwards and thought, you know, having that finance and having that, you know, there's certain degrees would help you make that come true. Mm -hmm. Um, So my background in in business um, was just who I am. You know, I've always been interested in business. My dad was in business. So I just have always been exposed. My grandfather, grandfathers were in business. Um, so I've always been, uh, you know, focused on that. And, um, and so having that work experience, real world, uh, married with my NFL experience, coupled with the, the, the memories of what we didn't get at Howard, what I mm. didn't get in high school, and then seeing the landscape change in the 2000s and the late 2000s, it was like, man, I can definitely be a bridge to a guy like Ivory Frempong, to a guy like, you know, Ed Lee, to a guy like whoever who has the ability but just needs some focused direction, you know, some mm-hmm. focused instruction. It was really about the instruction, right? How do Because I never had great coaching until I got to Howard, but I didn't have great amenities. And then when I got to the league, it was – I wasn't behind, but the speed of the game was different. Now, there's a change of speed. You remember going from Westfield, which you guys played at a great high level, to Rhode Island. It's still different, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. In high school to college and college to the, to the league, it's different. And you, you have your top – every rookie goes through or freshman goes through a transition. It's how flat that transition is. And so what I wanted to do was give – guys that I was engaged with or that I had the opportunity to work with, hey, this is the real deal. This is what's going to happen when you get to the next level. I'm trying to help you maximize your time in high school to then when you get to college, you can play early. You're you're not surprised by the information that they're speaking. You're not surprised by the information that they're presenting. You're not surprised by the looks in, in terms of, you know, either offense or defense, you know, if you're on offense, what you're looking at. I want that to be a smooth transition. And that was the original premise, training athletes for their next level. And that's what we focused on. And that's that continues to be our focus. Um, and so I would say that the business, my business background helped me provide a service to parents and my sports background help me provide the service to the athlete. Okay. I've been with you, you know, in performance when you've been mm-hmm. trying to, you know, train and, and manage the business side of things. Mm-hmm. How do you manage, you know, you know, trying to 
you know, work with me and like guys like Ed Lee and, and train us. Mm-hmm. And then you actually have to work on like the business side of things. How do you balance that out? Great question. Um, so during the day when you guys were in school, uh, yeah. that's what I was doing. So, it, you know, okay. you guys would get to the facility depending on the you know season and the day and whatever. Um, you guys would get there in the afternoon or, you know, vice versa. You would get there early in the morning. I would say, okay, let's get together at, you know, nine or 10, or I would say noon. So whenever I'm pushing you forward or backward is because I'm doing the business stuff during the day in the morning. Uh, so I just try to time block. I'm a big time block guy and I try yeah. to allocate X amount of hours dedicated to, um, to, uh, you know, to, to, to running the business, to leading the business, to managing the business. I have a team now of six people. Uh, I got to hire two more people once we get out of this uh, craziness of this pandemic. But, um, you know, but I, I'm, I've morphed multiple times, you know, from when you guys were, were with me on a day to day, I was, um, you know, I had, a couple of employees. I had like two, you know, now I have, like I said, more and we're, you know, growing each program, standing up each program as a vertical. Um, but it's just a balance, you know, it's just yeah. a balance of, you know, trying to give you guys what you need and uh, as well as um, trying to give the business what it needs in order to continue to, to, to grow. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you're an entrepreneur, right? Right. Basically what it is. Right. And, you know, I'm trying to be an entrepreneur as well. Okay. And uh, kind of broaden my, my perspective than more than just football. Mm-hmm. And so what do you have to sacrifice in order to, to get PP to where it needs to be? You know, whether it be, you know, time with the family or whatever it may be. But like, what are the biggest things you're sacrificing to become, you know, this business guy? Because, you know, just me trying to, you know, develop and go, it's not easy. Yet. It's right. not easy at all. Right. There's so much stuff that goes into it. There's marketing, there's you got to have connects, there's advertising, mm-hmm. there's all this mm-hmm. stuff that goes into it. And I really had no idea. So it gives me more of a respect for what you do. Mm-hmm. Just even researching, you know, the perfectperformance.com, looking at the website, mm-hmm. you just start thinking like a, like an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. What are the, what are the biggest challenges you face? And like, what are some sacrifices you have to give up? To, Definitely to family. Early on, it was time. Time is your biggest resource. You know, money, you can get money back. You can lose money. I've lost money, whether it be by my own bad decision-making or by forces that were outside of my control. And, uh, but you can't get back time, you know? And so early on, it was a lot of late nights. It was a lot of, um, conversations, uh, with partners. It was a lot of negotiation. It was a lot of, you know, scenario running and it all, you know, boiled down to time. Uh, and so I would, say that that is the most, the biggest sacrifice that I've made early on. But, you know, 14 years later, it has paid dividends because I'm able to support my family and, uh, and truly leave, um, you know, where we're going and and how we're trending. Uh, I will be able to leave uh, something for my kids in terms of not just, you know, a couple of dollars, but they will, they will have a real entity to take over, to manage that can leave, that can, that they can lead, you know, as they uh, transition into their, you know, adulthood. And so that was always my focus, you know, to generational wealth and a legacy. Uh, And so this is my legacy to them. Um, And, uh, and I believe that, you know, both of my kids are athletes, they're young, but they love sports, of course. 
Uh, we come from a family of athletes on both sides, my wife's side and my side. So that's the, the time sacrificed yeah. is well worth it. You know, one, if you can be an independent, you know, self-sustaining individual, and two, if you can leave something, you know, for your family, hmm, for your lineage. Big. Creating generational wealth, that's big right there. Bro. A lot of, you know, black, a lot of, you know, people in, in general are not really thinking about creating generational wealth. So that's, that's awesome that you have your, your kids and your family in mind. Yeah, that is, a, uh, that is of the most importance. You said you about to say it as a black yeah. man in America, yeah. you have to do that. If you don't do it, it's not going to happen. And you think about the other family, you think about the wealthiest families or the wealthiest people that you know, the Fords, the Rockefellers, and there's, those big names and then there's names the person that owns the building that we uh at this time used to be in our facility was he the, the georgeless family just some developers and tysons the, the dude who's running the business now one of the guys who's running the business third generation developer his grandfather was a developer his grandfather started building homes after world war ii and now they they're buying 30 million dollar buildings in uh you know, in Tyson's corner. So just think about that. Yeah. I feel like one thing, you know, I want to have you on the podcast too, because like a lot of athletes is just, you know, after they, you know, they're done playing, especially at Rhode Island, there's a lot of athletes everywhere, but you know, they Mm -hmm. finish up playing, playing football at college Mm -hmm. and maybe their their dreams of the NFL didn't come true. Mm -hmm. But since they're so narrow focused on just football, they weren't able to really, you know, take that time in college to look at other aspects of life. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's so much more than just football out there that we have to be thinking about. It's not just, you know, it's not just football. There's, there's companies you can build. There's things you can start up. There's so much stuff out there. And I just really wanted to harp on that with you is like, there's more than just football out there. And if we really want to create generational wealth, we have to look at other things that are creating money, not just football. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that, uh, you know, that I think your generation misses is the true power of social media. Um, You become an instant star, an instant icon, whatever school you go to because of social media. Uh, There are graduates of Rhode Island that are doing some really powerful things uh, in human endeavor and various fields of human endeavor in Rhode Island, in DC, you know, have you reached out to an alumni of Rhode Island to, to help you with Think Gold? It's more like I have context. Okay. You know, just in the building, but it's not me really reaching back. And I guess, yeah, I have reached out to some alumni, not some older alumni, more younger alumni who just recently graduated. You know, some advisors I'm cool with, just like that. But okay. I could so probably I be doing some press, more of that. I would press your head coach or your academic advisor to put you in contact with an alumni from Rhode Island who's doing whatever you want to do, you know, long-term, short-term, mid-term, to help you and coach you through making this, whatever your dreams are, happen. Because life is about relationships. Mm -hmm. And, And what I've realized is football is a tool at any level. And particularly in this day and age when you have social media, to, to leverage yourself, think about people don't even Google you anymore. What do they do? They go to your social media, yep. Link, LinkedIn, Instagram, and, and, and or Twitter to see who you really are, 
right? So think about how powerful that is. So you have an alumni as a, as a starting receiver at Rhode Island. I don't know your coach's name, but you say, hey, coach, I want you to introduce me to so-and-so or help me research or put me in contact with whoever's, you know, in the alumni network of Rhode Island, across, not just football, across all disciplines. Who's doing podcasts? Who's doing, you know, thought leadership? Who's doing business coaching? Who's doing multimedia? Whatever the genre is, coach, I would love to have a meeting with them. And the school, on your behalf, reaches out to them and say, hey, we got Ivory Frempong, senior wide receiver, great student, great player, you know, entrepreneur, budding entrepreneur. Here, here's what <clears throat> he would love to do. He would love to have a 30-minute cup of coffee with you, 30-minute conversation. Take him out to lunch, you know. You, you, you take him, bring him on campus, or if he's in the, you know, immediate vicinity, or he wants to, you know, you might have to get to him. Whatever the situation is, you figure it out. Do you think you, I should, when I, when I reach out, I should be thinking of just like what I can gain out of it? Or do I have to, you know, give something in return in those type of relationships? You know what I'm saying? Well, absolutely. You want to, relationships are two-way streets. But what yeah. you want to do is you want to get him to, and you want to endear yourself to him such that he wants to help you, right? How, how many, what do you get when you're playing football? What do you, what are you getting? Not what are you getting from the, from the game itself, but what, who, is, who is talking to you on every play, every situation, every facet of the day when you're in the football building? You're getting what? Coached. Coached. Yep. coached. Yep. I have a coach. I have a business coach who I meet with every Friday. Really? Who helps shift perspective for me, who helps shape you know, what my vision is, what my, what our model is. He works with my team. We need coaching. Everybody needs coaching and football has prepared us because we've been being coached our entire lives. Right. So whatever you want to do in the field of, in whatever field of human endeavor, I would encourage you to a identify somebody that can help you do that. Right. And then go do it, right? Reach out to create relationships where you have informal coaches. You might have somebody who's just a mentor. A mentor is somebody that you talk to periodically that helps guide you, gives you perspective, gives you information. Then you have a coach. Coaches every day, right? Every day, day in, day out, or or on some consistent frequency that gives you the ability to move, you know, Level to level, level to level. And so I give you all that because that's how you create a business. That's how you, at the end of the day, become a successful entrepreneur. You leverage relationships that the game provides, and then you get a coach who has done what you're trying to do or can point you in a direction that you weren't even thinking about. You're a smart guy. All of us are, are smart people, right? But sometimes we just need what? Guidance. Directions. Mm-hmm. We, we just need some direction. Instead of because sometimes the noise of all the ideas, right? You got all these ideas and you're like, man, I'm just, you're, you're, yeah. you're so always in creation mode. We're, we're, we're thinking, we're, we're vision, we're vision, we're vision. A coach outside in looking in can just help us shape that vision and, and to get to production. 
Because at the end of the day, you want your vision to create dollars. That's not your first, you know, I have an equation um, that I give, that I've given my team. I said, we have three C's in our business. We have commitment, we have clarity, and we have consistency. That is shaping the foundation of our environment that we're creating for our athletes, right? Then those three C's lead to organizational success. Once we have success, we can have growth. Once we have growth, then we earn more money. But that's the process. It's not you, you show up and you make money. You got to create an environment. You got to create a culture. You got to create a brand. Hey, Coach, can we break those down real quick? So you said commitment, clarity, consistency. So what, okay. is, what does commitment look like mm-hmm. for, you, for your business? And- okay. So what are we committed to? Right. What are our athletes committed to? What are we as coaches committed to? What are our parents committed to? And whatever those commitments, for example, we're going to ask our athletes to study hard, to train hard and to play hard. We're going to ask our parents to bring their kids, be committed to the to the program and bring their kids to practice. We're going to ask our parents to be supportive of the program. We're going to ask our parents to be respectful of the coaches. And then we as coaches and leadership of the program, we're going to be on time. We're going to be communicative. We're going to support our athletes in all the areas that they need supporting. That's the contract. And for our athletes, we're going to define it. We're going to praise it. And we're going to continue to teach it so that everybody understands what we are committed to and what commitment is. Okay. Mm. Then on the clarity, you know, I think your generation has uh, changed to be, you know, when I was growing up, a parent, a coach said, we're going to do this. We said, okay, coach, we didn't ask why. We didn't have an opinion about how dumb it was. We didn't ask, well, if I do this, where is it going to take me? So the, the, the consistency, I'm sorry, the clarity of message um, in what we are preaching why am I doing it and where is it going to take me? Right. Those are the two things. Why actually three things. Why, how, and where, what is it going to get me? What's my return? If I invest this time in doing it this way, what am I going to get? And we have to walk our people through that. I have to walk my people through that. My team, I have, we have to walk our athletes through that. And then the last thing is the consistency. We're going to be the term or the quote is patiently impatient. We're always going to be consistent in our effort, right? Effort, enthusiasm, and execution. I'm sorry, effort, energy, and execution. Those are the three things that we're going to be consistent in. We're always going to bring effort. We're always going to bring energy. And we're always going to be able to execute. Uh, so I don't know if you know, but we've we've grown. So now not just seven on seven football is a, is a club sport. I've kind of shifted the model. So the model now is being led by club sports. So I got girls across now. We got uh, six teams of girls across athletes. We got 11 youth baseball. We got six showcase baseball. And I'm about to oh, start. Um, uh 
boys lacrosse at the fourth grade level this fall, assuming everything's okay, field hockey, and then I'm looking to add a soccer organization in 2021. Mm, that's big so, time. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very excited about all of those. So, so being able to control uh, the club, you know, athletes, people that come and play for us, and then we offer the training and the nutrition and all that stuff as a support, just like you get in college. And so as having all of these club sports, there are large organizations with a lot of parents. You know, we got a hundred plus girls and boys in each of these. And so you got to have structure and that structure, this is the basis of our structure, this commitment, this clarity and this consistency. And so, you know, once we, because I, 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 um, I inherited or I absorbed the lacrosse organization. I absorbed the baseball organization. Um, and I had to reframe our showcase baseball organization, meaning there were different cultures that I was inheriting from, you know, some of these organizations. Some had no culture. Some had a different culture. And so you have to define, just like you have to define your brand, you have to define your culture in an organization. And mm-hmm. so that's where we're driving to. Uh, and then again, once we get those three things that define those three C's that define our culture and what the experience that we want to, to, to offer and provide to our families and our athletes, then again, that leads to success. We're going to win on the field. We're going to get more people to want to play for us. Parents are going to refer other families. Kids are going to refer friends. Hey, this is a great experience. Hey, I got recruited. Hey, I got to play against the best of the best. I'm playing with the best of the best we have success, we grow, right? Just like I just, just said, when we grow, that equals more revenue, bottom line. That's crazy. No matter what field you are in, it's like all the successful people, all the people who are, you know, great, who are achieving greatness, share the same common thing. It's, it's the details, it's the little things, it's yeah. the things that most people aren't thinking about, you know, the relationships, how you pick up the phone, how you talk right. to when you pick up the phone, That's how right. you treat people, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. And, personality, the energy you bring yeah. to the table, yeah. it's like, as you know, we have to consciously be thinking about the energy we're, we're bringing into a, to an environment, yeah. you know, and if you're not thinking about that, you're, you're going to be impacted by it. Yes. And so, you know, the most successful people are thinking about, you know, the energy I'm bringing to the table, cause that's the energy mm-hmm. I'm going to get back. Mm-hmm. The energy you're putting in with her performances is, it's not by accident that it's coming back to you and the parents right. are, you know, saying what a good job you guys right. are doing. Right. But let me talk about um, those three C's again. So clarity mm-hmm. from, for me, I like how you talked about, you know, a lot of y'all young athletes want to question, <laughs> want to question, you know what I'm saying? And you know me, I'm always questioning. Right, right, right. Because, but for me, it's like, I'm always searching for clarity. And I, it comes from, you know, a little bit of a mistrust type of thing, mm-hmm. but it's when there's so many messages out there, you see it, you know, as a mm-hmm. young athlete, is everybody's on Instagram. We talked about these, it. Yeah, showing these things. And, yeah. and as, an athlete, as an athlete, you know, trying to go to the league, I'm looking at, the most efficient way. I'm looking at the best way. I'm looking at what's right for me too. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So if I see That's something, I, so if I see something, I have to ask, why am I doing that? Mm-hmm. Why, why am I doing all these footwork drills? How is this going to correlate to me on the field? Mm-hmm. Why am I lifting like this? Why mm-hmm. should I drink this much water instead of this much water? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So I'm constantly searching for clarity. Um, but aside from that, in your own life, you know, business aside, how do you search for clarity? One uh, man of faith, you know, I, 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 um, I get my clarity 
from my conscious. And I believe my conscious when you're, you know, I try to spend scheduled time with God every day, right? Mm -hmm. Whether that's listening to some inspirational gospel, Christian music, whether that's definitely, definitely includes prayer, definitely includes prayer. Um, and it, and, and most days here, I've been more focused on reading my Bible, um, consistently. And so I, I know, and I believe, and it has been true over my life that when I, when I do those things, and I've always done those things, but when you're in tune with God, the person that created you, then he puts messages, you know, on your, in your, on your heart and in your brain, he puts thoughts, right? And so this Think Gold podcast and platform for you, that wasn't by design, you know? I, I've, you know, and just as a, and, and I'm, I'm comparing, what he gave you and what he gave me, right? It's two different. What he gave you is designed for you. I have, I listen to podcasts every day, right? Because podcasts are, to your point, inspirational. They help you think different. They give you people's stories that may be aligned with your story or parallel to your story to help you get over that hump. At no point have I said to myself, I need to start a podcast. I want to listen to podcasts. But guess what? You heard a podcast. You say, no, I want to start a podcast because I want to affect people through podcasting. And so I find clarity through God and my relationship with him. I also find clarity through validation of purpose. And you, your words to me today are exactly why I do what I do. That validated why, you know, going back to the time in the league, it didn't hit me until after that my purpose playing football was never to be, I was never a starter. I never made a multi you know, million dollar contract. Uh, and I was just as talented, if not more than more than 50, 60% of the tight ends in the NFL. You know, when I came out, I was 6'3", 245, 250, and ran a four five two. On, on a 40, right? So you would say, oh man, he should be in the league. No, there's guys that have done plenty of other things that have stayed in the league, you know, gotten in trouble, whatever, never been in trouble, never any of that. My time in the league wasn't for me to be in the league. My time in the league was to prepare me for what I'm doing right now, to be mm -hmm. able to give the uh, information and the perspective to, to you to, and to everybody else that I've come mm -hmm. in contact with and it took me getting out of the league and retiring and really getting into this full time to understand that. So my clarity comes from validation. So that's how I get clarity. I don't look at, and I, and I get you, Hey, you see this and then you're going to try to see if it fits for you. I think you should reverse it. I think you should figure out who I am, who is ivory, what works for ivory and then seek things that match what works for you as opposed to seeking things and seeing if they try to fit for you. You follow what I'm saying? I do. I do. Yeah, and I agree. Definitely. How uh, we already talked about, it. I was going to say, how important do you think it is just to, you know, be a, a college athlete and have faith and religion on your side oh, right? to have bro. a belief in a higher power? It, it's, it's imperative. Cause I mean, if you, don't, bro, if you don't have, what's your anchor? Right. Because life is going to deal some bad hands, some lemons, some unfortunate circumstances. And if you don't have 
a an anchor. And let's just say that you don't believe in God. Let's just say that you don't believe in God. What are you anchoring yourself to when times get rough? How are you, how is anybody, not you, but how is anybody pushing past those negative storms and tragedies and trials and tribulations in their lives? So although I do believe in God, I can't tell you how many times reading my Bible and, and Job and, and the story of Joseph and all these other stories that are in the Bible have just helped me put my situation in perspective and flip my paradigm to say, you know what? This ain't comfortable. It's not good. But guess what? I'm not at Children's Hospital. I'm not on the corner homeless. I may have just gotten cut. I may have, you know, not signed the deal I wanted to sign. I may have not gotten this. But I'm where I am and I'm not where I could be. And so I, I think that, you know, being able to anchor yourself in, um, in life is extremely important. Uh, and as men, we, we are the anchors of our families, regardless mm-hmm. of if it's, you know, your mom. You know, when you get to be in a, you are an adult, but when, as you continue to grow, and, and, and all of us as men, what happens? Our parents take care of us and then we take care of our parents. And if we are, all over the place, blown in the wind and not stable. How can we take care of anybody? You know, men are protectors and providers. And so I believe that we have to be anchored. Uh, and if we're, and, and I anchor myself with faith. Uh, and I just think it's super important and super helpful, you know, mm-hmm. to get through all of what you got to deal with as a man. That's a, that's a great perspective. That's an amazing perspective. Um, Let's talk about let's talk about athletes again. Let's go back to athletes. Let's reach back a little bit. So, um, what's that process like of taking a a high school athlete and being able to put them in a position to play at the next level? You know, kind of just give us a rundown of what that's like. It's really not, to be honest with you, man. You, everybody has God given gifts and abilities, and I can see. I see that you have the potential to play in the National Football League. We had MJ Stewart. Our first year playing uh, 7-on-7, we had Trace McSorley. We had uh, Melvin Holland. We had Marcus Lewis. We had MJ Stewart. We had Devin Butler. So we had a lot of kids, right, that ended up going to Division I schools big time. Devin went to Notre Dame. MJ went to UNC, Trace went to Penn State, you know, then we had Dwayne and Trayvon, right? Then we, you know, you were in that crew, I think, coming right along with them. And so we've always had guys that had the ability to play at the next Scott Carpenter, tight end, went to Princeton, right? Cam Serenade, tight end, went to uh, Wake Forest. And so it's always been clear to me who has the potential, and then I'm giving information evenly, right? I'm pouring just as much into you as I did to Cam, as I did to Scott, as I did to whoever. And it really comes down to where that person plays in, in college. Like, was it the right choice for them? And you never know on the front end, you know, like for you. I, I, and I had the opportunity to meet Aaron uh, Parker, you know, work with him one day. And, you know, big, fast kid, great player. And I know Isaiah is a great player, too. It's unfortunate that you and Ed will only have one year or two years to, to start or, you know, whatever you'll have. And so I think it comes down to 
you know, who the kid is and what he's got innately by God, by his genes, everything's genetic, right? And then what the potential post-college is, what the ceiling is, or what the, in, in the NFL, people evaluate you on two things. What have you done in college and can immediately impact us right now? So your first round picks, aside from quarterbacks, are how can this guy come in and impact our team right now? We need him to come. We're paying him this much money because we believe he can help us today. Quarterbacks, you know, you got the, the, the makings of helping me a year, two years down the line. The later round picks are, man, we just need to develop him. He just needs a little bit. He's got the length, but he doesn't have the feet. He's got the strength, but he doesn't have the IQ or whatever it is that they feel like they can add and he can help us and we can develop him into something. Uh, And I've known, you know, unfortunately, I've known some kids that have had great high school careers, great college careers, and then it's done because scouts don't see that they have any more rope left to give. Uh, And so it's, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's individual to answer your question, to, to get what is the process like. Yeah. It's seeing that, it's knowing that, and it's trying to help kids. Because a lot of these college programs, to be honest with you, aren't doing what's best for the kid. They're doing what's best for them and what their philosophy is. We had a tight end who, Cam Serenade, as a matter of fact, he came home one year, he was 255, and it was bad weight. He was, he was big because they wanted him to be 255, but they didn't tell him specifically how to get how to, to do good it. 255. No. And they just were telling him to eat, 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 and he ended up getting slow. And I think it hurt his chances, you know, at the next level, which is unfortunate. So I try to be a source of, of truth and information to say, you know what? Don't just believe in your school and your coaching and your strength coach. Your strength coach don't know shit. Half of these strength coach, you think about it. Uh, we know, yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah, we can go on and on about that. Yeah, we can, we can. We're not gonna hate people out to dry, but right. <laughs> it kills me because I'm like, yo, who told you that? Your strength coach said that. Man, he needs to be fired. <laughs> but it, it's all of that, man. It, it's yeah. kind of having the eye, and it's kind of helping kids tweak and give them things to work on that are specific to them for them to be the best, not for them to be. Uh, uh, another robot in the whole yeah. know, big picture of the school. Mm-hmm. So. That's very important. You know, what school you go to and just the environment you end up going to plays a huge factor. Yeah. Um, but also, too, I've realized that just speaking about potential, mm-hmm. you know, potential doesn't mean anything at all. It's just, it's just, it doesn't mean anything. You know, at the end of the day, you have to produce potential, just what, mm-hmm. you, what you are possibly, you know, likely to be able to do in the future. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, it's a it's a meaningless word. You know? I, I agree. I agree. I disagree a little bit. Potential can get you in the door, but it won't keep you. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So do you think, you know, let's compare talent versus work ethic. Okay. Right. So you have a, you know, super talented guy, you know, with, you know, a not so good work ethic. How mm-hmm. far is that guy going to go? Not very far. Not very far. Nope. Because everybody's talent has an has an expiration date. Look at AB. Does it have an expiration date though? His talent to get paid, his talent will remain. 
how long people will put up with the other things, the lack of work. And he doesn't have a lack. He has of, a work ethic, though. He has a great I think work it's other thing. I think it's other things. Off the play. So he's not a good example. So <laughs> let's, let's look at um, uh, hmm. Hmm. you want to go NFL guy? It's hard to think on a big scale because we don't know they like. Uh, you probably might know him more than I, I, I do, know. but so so uh, know anybody? Jeremy Stevens. I'm gonna hang somebody out to dry. Jeremy Stevens was a tight end in Seattle, six seven, right? And he also had some off the field issues, which I think ultimately led to his demise. But also at the end of the day, his work ethic was not was not there, right? NFL teams want you to have your, your think about your Hall of Fame guys. Think about your Peyton Mannings. Think about your Tom Brady's. Think about your Jerry Rice's. Think about all the guys that are your poster boy, uh, stalwart players and names in the league. Those guys had great talent and they had great, great work. work ethic. Like neck and neck, if not more. Terrell Owens, great talent and great work ethic, you know? A couple more questions for you. We, we're going to wrap this up pretty soon. Okay. How do, you, um, how do you sense greatness in young athletes, and what are some common qualities you see in them that tells you, you know, oh, yeah, this guy's going to be special? Discipline, humility, and work ethic. Discipline, humility, and work ethic. Okay. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about humility. What do you mean humility? Um, when you are – humble and you're seeking knowledge or you're humble and you're not concerned with, uh, you know, as we talked about, this generation has the benefit and the curse of social media. And so, um, you know, if you're, if you don't, a lot of kids think they have made it, you know, because they're uh, ESPN 300 or, 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 you know, Nova all state or whatever these, different outlets are and they've got you ranked rivals and whoever else you think you are top stuff. And, uh, it takes a humble spirit. You can be confident and you can be arrogant, but it doesn't have to be displayed outwardly. So I guess it's a, a humble presentation. Okay. Um, Okay. And, and so, um, so that's one that I, I think is most important because if, if you're consistently thinking, I got to produce, I got to produce, I got to get better. I got to do more. Um, and, and you have a, a humble spirit that says, um, you know, I can still be better. It's about the team. You know, it was, it was me, but it was also, and it was really them, you know, and I just benefited from that type of attitude and perspective is, you know, you can definitely see somebody going far. Okay. For guys like myself, you know, who are said I'm going to the NFL, you might have already answered this, but what are some qualities aside from the physical that we need to possess, you know, we're already in college, now trying to go to the league. What are some qualities, you know, on the mental aspect of it that we need to possess? Just knowing the game. You know, as a receiver, um, I think how smart – I think people discount uh, the intelligence – that the football IQ that receivers need to have. You need to know coverages just as well as the quarterback because you all are working like a hand in a glove, right? So I was just, you know, doing – we do our virtual football schools and I had the receivers on with the quarterbacks yesterday. 
and you would be, uh, and you know this, particularly in these RPO offenses, right? I, I'm not well, well versed in RPOs, but I was talking to uh, Jamal Banks, who plays at, he's uh, a freshman at uh, Wake Forest, and he was telling me that on some of their plays, based on it could be a run play, right? That he's got to go and dig out the safety from his X position. And if he feels like he can't get the safety, he turns his blocking assignment into a post or into a route. So Hmm. him being able to see that and read that, as well as the quarterback be able to read that, that whole process has to be in sync. And and so I think that um, you knowing what all the coverages are uh, as a receiver to know and, and particularly in a game, what are the tendencies? Here's the real piece, the, the, the film study, which tells you the tendencies of a defense to play a particular coverage or a particular defense in that down and distance situation, right? So you know, okay, he may be off, but he's really going to roll up and go hard press and play cover two. So I got to adjust my release or I got to fight to get outside if I have an adjustment, a side adjustment based on whatever. Uh, that, you know, this hard-pressed corner outside in, inside out, whatever. And I think that, you know, you just running routes, you're selling yourself short, number one, uh, of your ability. And number two, you're you're hindering yourself from producing at your top level. So being able to know when something's coming, what can you do? You think faster. You think faster, you make a faster decision. You make a faster decision, now your physical takes in. You can use your hands, use your feet, use whatever tools that you work on to, to, to execute your route, but it, it comes that much quicker. <clears throat> Agreed. I'm going to call this part the deep end. I'm going to ask you a couple more questions and call this the deep end. Okay. So what, what's the number one area in your life that you feel like needs improvement? Mm. Hmm. And how do you, how do you actively work? How are you actively working towards that? A lot of areas, a lot of areas, right? So I'm always striving to be, to be the best. Um, I think I'm a good husband. I think I'm a good father. I always start with that. No, first of all, my spiritual life. I got to be more consistent with uh, the time. So, like, we block everything. We block when we train. We block when we eat. You know, we time block and schedule everything. Got to schedule more consistently my my personal time with God. That's number one. Number two, um, uh, I, I want to be a better husband and father. And it's really... You know, you got to, as, as tough as it is, you got to seek uh, the, your audience. You got to seek out your audience and what their perspective is. You telling yourself that you need to get better and then also being the decision maker on did I get better or did I not get better? That, that's not, you know. So, for example, you're trying to be a better receiver. You telling yourself, yeah, I ran that route better versus going to say coach, you know, quarterback, hmm. offensive coordinator. Am I doing this how you want me to do it? It's tough. It's humbling. But they're the people that are evaluating you. So I got to have like a a mentor, like somebody in your life to kind of just. okay, Yeah. Yeah. And then the last thing is I really want to be um, a better. I got to I want to work on how I lead um, my team, my business team. And um and how to manage different personalities. Cause I'm, I'm kind of, as you know, I'm, I'm either is black or is white. And sometimes 
when you're dealing with people and you want them to to support you and what your vision is, there might be a little gray. Yeah, you know, as a as a business leader, like. <laughs> You're like a you. You're everything. You know, you're a therapist. You're a, you got to know people's personality traits. You got to know everything. It's it's a tough job to have, you know. But oh. that's why I'm trying to prepare myself for that later down the line. But yes, look up um, the Enneagram test. The Enneagram t- as a test. As a test, Enneagram E N N A Gram. Okay. I'm uh, sorry, E-N-N-E-A-gram, Enneagram, yeah. Okay, this is like a leadership test or something? Uh, it's a personality test. Personality test. I just <laughs> implemented it late last year in my hiring okay. process, and so I now know everybody on my team and what their Enneagram number is, which tells me how to lead them. Hmm, smart man. All right, if you could go back in time and change anything about your life, would you? Change maybe a certain um, yeah. outcome. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> bro, I would. Uh, <laughs> I, I would. I would have a more focused approach on the football front in college. I didn't really study film. I, I did what I was supposed to do, but I wish I would have been more of a gym rat and been more disciplined with my time. I was a good student. And I went to practice, but I wasn't a gym rat. You know what I'm saying? So I wish I would have done that at Howard more because I think that would have helped me transition to the league better. All right. Last question. If you could prescribe someone a habit or routine to do for 30 days that would better their life, what would that be? You know, it could be like a mental, you know, mm-hmm. habit, any physical habit, anything. Mm-hmm. To, to just have a daily schedule. You have know? a daily schedule? Have a daily schedule. And a consistent daily schedule that you use six days a week, seven days a week, whatever, um, that you and you sleep. Right. Get your sleep. Uh, Everybody's schedule is different about when they have to be up. But if you get eight hours like I I found when I made myself come home from from work and get in the bed by 10 to then get up by 536, my day went. And then I time block, all right? When I started time blocking and, and creating a schedule, so, hey, set my timer for 30 minutes. I'm going to allocate 30 minutes to get up, do whatever I need to do personally, you know, uh, get dressed, make my bed, clean my room, blah, blah, blah. And then I 30 minutes to get my kids breakfast on the bus, blah, blah, blah. 20 minutes to drive to the facility, so on and so forth. That just keeps you on schedule and you feel accomplished. Time is money. Time is money. Mm-hmm. Time is money. Um, okay. What do you think, um, you know, not just football players, that athletes need to be doing on this, on this quarantine thing right now? Like, what should we be how should our approach be as athletes, you know, who are getting ready to go back to college, you know, mm-hmm. during this time? Uh, great question. So I, I, I was talking to one of my colleagues who's an outstanding uh, physical therapist, doctor of physical therapy. He works with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And he was telling, he sent me something. Uh, and it was saying that when you can't be with the team right now, you would, this is May. So you would have been with the team spring ball, you know, all season workouts might have been transitioning, you know, to a couple of weeks off here, but you would have just come off a, a major time 
with the team. And so because you could not get with the team, three things that you need to do in order to maintain uh, your proficiency, your performance, and grow. One, work on the small movements, okay? So if you feel like you're not getting in and out of your breaks or you're not able to squat or run or whatever, is that a function of ankle mobility? Is that a function of hip mobility? You know, there are three things that are the basis of strength, speed, agility, quickness, mobility, flexibility, and stability. If you aren't stable, you're not going to be strong. If you're not mobile and flexible, you're not going to be strong, explosive, powerful, all of those things. So work on those three things uh, and whatever that means for you, right? Most of us have stiff ankles, right? We can work on that. Most of us have stiff hips, you know, work on that. Uh, Don't be so concerned with benching and squatting 500 pounds, you know, or trying to just increase max. Work on the depth, the full range of, of mobility in your squat. Second thing is just condition. You know, and I think everybody's been doing that, riding bikes. I saw you riding bikes, you know, one day around town. You know, I ride my bike uh, going on, you know, um, running around the track, a 400-meter run. You know, those types of things will help you keep your muscles. Think about a long speed endurance run, you know, when it's time to go back to school, whenever that is, to play, you know, what is the first thing that you're going to have? Cause you haven't been, you know, you may, may have run in routes, whatever, but that long distance sprint, that 400 meter and you know, that 200, 100 to 400 meter run that helps you hamstrings, glutes, hips, all of that. And then the last thing is uh, the mental game, you know, watching film, studying, you know, NFL, like right now uh, you can get a free access to uh, NFL uh, coaches tape from, NFL.com. Really? That's what I'm I teach on that. from. I'm on that. That's, that's what I teach from. So when I'm working with receivers, we're, we just watched on the virtual school that I, that I do with the, with the guys. We watched uh, Julio Jones um, the other day. And so we picked – and I got you, – you have access to 2019 all the way to 2009 coaches film. So that means wide and tight. You know? Wow. So you think about every receiver – you know, Terrell Owens, uh, uh, Calvin Johnson, every big 6'3 plus, Andre Johnson, you know, you you just like Andre Johnson. So if I'm you, I'm watching every 6'2 and above guy uh, that I can just to see how they do things. And you and what's funny, you'll see some horrible stuff. We watched DeAndre Hopkins the other day. He was terrible. He'd be sloppy they, sometimes. There'd be times where he's a little sloppy. A little sloppy and lazy. And so you see that. And it inspires you because you're like, man, I would never do that. I'm coming off the ball. One thing, you know, as a receiver, this dude did not block. He did not block at all in the first series. We watched the first series and a half. He didn't block not one person on a run game. In the run game, he, he was jogging. And you got to put these DBs on the ground. You got to go kiss them in the mouth. And so you'll see these things. You'll be like, man, I would never do that. I can do or I can do that. Or that's crazy. He can't do that. And it gives you inspiration to go play. So those three things, the small movements to support the big movements, the conditioning and the game, the knowledge of the game, the mental game. All right, coach Stevens. Appreciate you coming on the podcast. My guest. There was a lot of stuff I wanted to talk about, but we're going to get you on, you know, maybe three to four years from now. Okay. See where we're both out. That would be mad dope. But, um, 
appreciate you taking the time. I know you're a busy man. Um, if you don't mind, just say where people can reach you at, you know, where they can train if they want to get some training in the DMV area. Okay, so uh, our Instagram is ppnova underscore football. Um, uh, and our Twitter is pp ppnova underscore fball. And then uh, our website is www.perfect-performancenova.com. Okay. And I'll put that in the bio for you guys to listen to this. Um, yeah. Okay. So thanks, Coach. Well, Appreciate you, man. Have a blessed day. Up, you too, yes, man. Yes, sir. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode with Coach Stevens and I. I certainly learned a lot, and um, I learned a lot of valuable information that I'm sure I'm going to use in my life. I hope you guys learned just as much as I did. He is definitely somebody who continues to think gold and is thinking gold to this day. And um, it was a pleasure to have him on the podcast. If you like this episode, please leave a review. Follow us on Think Gold Media on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok. And we also just created a YouTube page, Think Gold Media on YouTube as well. Please subscribe, leave comments, like, share, all of the above. New episode every single Sunday. If you guys want some apparel, we're on thinkgoldapparel.com. Again, that's thinkgoldapparel.com. Fresh gear, hoodies, tees. Season two line is going to be dropping soon. Thank you guys so much for listening. Continue to think gold. God bless. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.